Hey, Willow family, I'm telling you, I am peacock proud and I ain't happy to be back with y'all again. Listen, the world is, is, we've never been here before. We are experiencing something we've never seen before, but I'm telling you, God's grace is sufficient. His power is sovereign and he has been good to us. So we've got a reason to be encouraged. We've got a reason to be hopeful and we've got a reason to keep on keeping on. So I'm excited to open up God's word. I hope to encourage you and just bless your heart. So yo, uh, uh, Dave still, they still don't give a brother a lot of time to preach. So I got I to hurry up and get in. So let's pray together and ask God's blessing on our time in his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for this great church. Thank you for all that you're doing. Father, I pray that in these next few moments, you'll speak to us like only you can. God, would you tune our ear to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, it's to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles as we go to God's word. Uh, the book of Matthew, chapter, chapter 5. Verse 13, the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 is where you can find me. Jesus is giving his sermon on the mount, um, and he is speaking to the crowd as he gives a glimpse, a picture of what authentic Christianity looks like. He gives a, a glimpse, a picture of what authentic Christianity looks like. And he says in verse 13, these words to the church, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Uh, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others, so that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven heaven. I I love it. He says, Christianity, uh, we should be like a light. Christians, followers of Jesus, we should be like a light, a light that clearly other people can see. Other people can see it, and it it is so dominant that it is shining so that others might see it and glorify God. He says, people should see you and glorify your God. People should see your light and glorify your God. He speaks to the epidemic, to the the danger of undercover Christians, secret agent Christians, Christians that say, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, but nobody knows it. 
Uh, I, I got a light, but it's hidden under a bowl and no one could see it. I, I don't talk about my faith publicly because I don't want to offend anyone. I don't, I don't tell anybody about Jesus because I don't want to cross any lines. I don't want to cross any boundaries. He says, no, we should live so out loud. Our life should, should, should be illuminating with the glory of God. People should see our light. They should see our hope. They should see our joy. They should see our peace. They should see us walking in the purposes and the promises of God. See that light and say, whoa, I see God in them. I see God in them. I don't know about you, but it's dark outside. It's dark out here. We need light more than ever before. We need salt more than ever before. And Jesus is saying, we don't need undercover Christians. We don't need secret agent Christians. We don't need Christians that are in their heart, but unchristian on their Facebook page. Oh, I wish I had a witness up in here. We don't need Christians who are Christians in their heart, but unchristian when it comes to injustice. You're silent. We don't need Christians who are Christians in their heart, but unchristian in how they forgive and how they love, especially those that are their enemies. Do you know that Jesus calls us to an enemy love? He calls us to love our enemies. And, And your enemy should see the light of Christ illuminating in you. Disagree with anybody lately? In the midst of your disagreement, did they see the light? Did they see Jesus? Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking to them and he's messing with them. He's disrupting their thinking concerning religiosity. He's disrupting their concepts of how they pursue God because they had a very legalistic, minimalistic view of how to approach God. Are we going to do this? And we follow these rules. We do this. We do that. He just comes out of Beatitudes. He just, he says, he says, you've heard it said that, that committing adultery is one thing, but can I tell you, if you even just look at a woman, he raises the standard. He raises the bar. My friend tells a story of his, his, uh, his boys in the backyard and they're playing basketball and he goes out and he's impressed. He's blown away because they are, they are dunking. They are doing, doing 360s and slamming it down and ah, like they, they just going crazy, just killing it. And just when he thought he was pretty impressed, he realized that the goal was way lower than standard size, than standard height. They, they had lowered the goal. And because they had lowered the basketball goal, the basketball hoop, because they had lowered the goal, they were, they were dunking and doing all kinds of stuff that was easy for them. <laughs> See, it's easy to do things that you want to do when you lower the standard. Dangerous thing is that when it comes to this book, we tend to lower the standard so that we can dunk in our Christianity in our own power. We lower the standard so we can make it easier for us to be Christian. Jesus comes to raise the standard. Does he raise it to the seven feet, to nine feet? No, he raises it to 3,000 feet. What he's doing in this passage, what he's doing in this text, and what he's calling them to through the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount through the Beatitudes, is he's raising the bar so high that you think to yourself, there's no way I could ever reach it. There's no way I could ever hit that. And then God says, now you see it. That's exactly where I want you to be. Because when it comes to Christianity, the last thing I want you to be is self-confident. No, I need you to be God-confident. 
I'll say it again. When it comes to Christianity, the last thing I want you to be is self-confident. The last thing I want you to do is a, a dunk. No, no, no. I want you to be God-confident. I want you to be God-dependent. I want you to look at it and say, there's no way I can do it. And that's the right posture to be in to invite God in because he said, you're right. There's no way you can do it. But through Christ, you can do all things. He's changing their mindset. Christianity isn't something that's attained through our power, through our ability. Christianity is something that is captured when we are overwhelmed with our ability to get it and overwhelmed with, our, with God's ability to provide it in us, through us, for his glory. That's what he's doing in this passage. He, he raises the standard and he says, you're going to need me to do it. And when you get me in this world, I'm going to make you salt and I'm going to make you light. In this world, you got a role to play in this world. You will be salt and light in the world. But you will be it not because of you're so good, but because he's so good. You're going to be salt and light in the world and you're going to bring hope into the world, not through your power, but through God's power. Not self-confidence, but God-confidence. I want to talk about what does it mean for us to live into the great metaphor of salt and light? What, What does it mean for us to be who God's called us to be in order to be salt and light? Growing up in Mississippi, my my mother had the gift for hospitality. She had the gift for hospitality. She loved having folks over, having a dinner party, having folks over for lunch and stuff like that. We would host, but there was a thing. My mama, there were special items that were reserved for special occasions. The good china didn't come out unless somebody really special was coming over. So when I saw the good china coming out of the the china cabinet and those pieces that were just being on display. When I saw them coming out, I knew, oh, somebody coming over. Who coming over tonight? Who coming over today? They must be really important. When I saw the good glasses, the good crystal glasses, the good china plates. And then over in the corner, you would see the special crystal salt shakers. Uh, these these crystal salt shakers would be over filled with salt and filled with pepper. They they'd be over there, but they'd only come out for special occasions when somebody really special came over. You know, I felt bad. Felt bad for that salt because that salt was more of like a museum, more of like a. A, a piece to be honored and preserved. It it just sat in that corner and only came out for special occasions. And that salt and that salt shake, I felt bad for it because ultimately it would never fulfill its purpose because it never came out of the salt shaker. You get it early. I won't have to preach as long. Do you see where I'm going with this already? Jesus says we are the salt of the earth, but if we don't leave the salt shaker, we'll never fulfill our purpose and our mission. 
That, that's one of the unforeseen blessings of this season. There's a lot to lament during this pandemic, but one of the unforeseen blessings is that the church has been forced to get out of the salt shaker. We've been forced to get out of our beautiful crystallized buildings and to be more externally focused. Yes, some of us are we're meeting and we're going to get back inside and some of us are back inside and we're meeting and stuff. But overall, Man, we've never been more out of the salt shaker than ever before than what we are right now. We've never been this far out. What does it mean for us to be out of the salt shaker so that we can be on mission for God's glory? Christianity is not coming to a building once a week. No. And I love gathering. I, I love it. I miss, I miss seeing y'all right now. I wish I could hug you and give a real hug. I miss hugs, man. These air hugs are played. I don't like them. I, I want to see faces. I want to hug necks. I want to look into the eyes more than anybody else. But can I tell you, the church was never a place we go to. It was always a people that we be. We are people, not a place. So I just want to encourage you, let us be salt. Let us be light. The only way we're going to do it, it's not through self-confidence, through God confidence. And when God works through us, we can be salt in the earth. Three, three things about salt that you need to pay attention to. Shoot, I might, I might even do four things. Let's see how this goes. But a couple of things. Number one, salt. Um, he, says, he says, we are the salt of the earth. There are, three, there are a couple of things about salt. Number one, salt. Um, adds flavor. Uh, it, it adds flavor. At, at my house, I don't cook much, but when I do, I'll do salt. But, but uh, when I get down, when I get ready to do some damage, I pull out that Larry's, that Larry's seasoning salt, that, that Larry's seasoning salt. I mean, some people say Larry, some people call it Larry. I call it Uncle Larry. Uh, Larry's seasoned salt. Yo, can I tell you, seasoned salt is a staple. If you get in a crisis and you ain't got all the other stuff, you just put extra Larry's on it and it's all good. Come on, can I get a witness out there? Do I have a Larry's seasoned salt witness in the building? I'm telling you, Larry's, you can put it on anything and it just makes everything taste better. That's what Christians should be in the earth. We ought to make everything taste better. We ought to make experiences better. We ought to make neighborhoods better. We ought to make communities better. We ought to make marriages better. We ought to make relationships better. We ought to make the classroom better. We ought to make the boardroom better. We ought to make the business better. We, we, We make everything better because we are the salt of the earth. And God is saying my Christians should add flavor, should add Add delight. To engage me should bring delight upon the palate. It should, it, should, it, should, it, should, it should encourage, it should inspire. Get some Christians. You having a problem in your business? Get some Christians in there. You got a rough neighborhood? Get some Christians in there. Christians ought to make it better. You got a rough, what, rough dynamic at the office? Get some Christians in there. Christians ought to make it better. Now the problem is, are you a Christian? The question is, are you making your space better? Are you making your circle better? Is God more glorified with you at that place of employment than he is without? Are you making that neighborhood better because you live in it for the glory of God? Is your house salty? Are you adding flavor to the PTA? There should be kindness. There should be grace. There should be peace radiating from it because you're there. Jesus says Christians ought to make things better. 
Lilaris for the glory of God. <laughs> Not only should you make things better, salt during that time, as he, ta- as he says salt, and he says Christians are the salt of the earth, the, that, the, the, the early church Christians would have heard that and they would have felt overwhelmed by the compliment and the challenge of that statement. When he says salt, because salt in their culture was a really big deal. Salt was a really big deal. It was a precious item. It was how, watch this, it was how you preserved things. Things that mattered, things that would bring sustenance to you. You you would use it to to preserve meat. It would keep meat. You would pack meat in salt so that it might last, so that you might feed your family. Salt was a very special necessary item. So for him to say, Christians, you are a very special necessary item. Many of them would immediately have thought about the meat that they had preserved so that they could eat. Some would think about how salt is an anesthetic. It brings healing and wholeness. It, it preserves. Christians ought to preserve things of value. Christians ought to, we should just, we not only make things better, but we preserve things that value, that are meaningful, that are valuable to our world, to our families, to our culture. We should preserve character in our culture. We should preserve holiness and righteousness in our culture. We should preserve virtue and values where, where, where truth is trying to be diminished. No, we should stand up and preserve truth. We should preserve justice. We should preserve hope. We should preserve grace. We should preserve joy. If we're the salt of the earth, we should be the preservers of value in our culture and in our country and in our world, in our neighborhood, in our home. We preserve the standards of God. We hold them up so that they're not lost. So that they don't, watch this, go bad. We should preserve. We should preserve. We should preserve. Um, not only are we uh, adding flavor and making things better. Not only are we preserving, but we should also, um, how do I say it? Um, uh, let, let me do it this way. Uh, when I was growing up, Thursday nights, um, were all about one show and one show over. Now, this is back in the early 90s, so you got to go back with me. You millennials don't know nothing about this, but Thursday nights were all about the Cosby show. <laughs> and then I would watch the Cosby show, but then inevitably, after the Cosby show, right before we were made to go to bed, I would see the beginning of the next show. Anybody know what it is? Anybody know what it is? Um, Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Yes, I am talking about Cheers. Cheers will come on. Now, Cheers was a story about a bar, which parenthetically is the only time I've ever seen a bar in my life. Yes. Uh, so it, it's about a bar and guys sitting at a bar. And, and, and I'm watching it uh, in... in and they will be sitting at the bar, and you will notice as you look closely at the bar, at the bar, they would have bowls of free snacks. Free snacks. They, where they give away free food. I've never been to a place where they give away free food. Um, and, and so you can just go and you can just eat the free food. But you will notice the food that is free is high in salt content. It's high in salt content. 
pretzels, peanuts, potato chips. Inevitably, they know the human nature. You sit down and you say, oh, this is free. Okay. So you start eating pretzels and peanuts and potato chips. You start eating. And all of a sudden, after a while, after eating, you start noticing. Hmm. I'm a, I'm a little thirsty. I'm a little thirsty. Can I get something to drink? And that's when they hit you. Yes, here's a drink for $75,000. Yes, you can have a drink. <laughs> the reason why they give away free food that's high in salt content is because salt creates thirst. Salt creates thirst. Friends, when Jesus says we are the salt of the earth, we should create thirst in the earth. We should make people thirsty for godliness. We should make people thirsty for righteousness. We should make people thirsty for holiness. Come on, church. Let's get out the salt shaker and make our neighborhoods thirsty for righteousness. Make our neighborhoods thirsty for God. Let's make the world. Let's make our community. Let's make our loved ones. Let's make our children. Let's make our spouse. Let's make our our friends and family. They should encounter us. They should see us. They should see the peace of God, the hope of God, the love of God, and be thirsty. They should be thirsty for the righteousness of God. They should long for it. They should, they should as, as, as we live our lives, because what happens is Galatians happens to us. Galatians, the book of Galatians happens to us. And as we abide in the Father and he abides in us, come on, church, y'all know this, fruit begins to happen to us. Fruit begins to come out. Uh, 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 natu- it's just natural. Uh, kindness just come out of you. Uh, uh, grace should just come out. of Long suffering just comes out of you. Fruitfulness just comes out. Gentleness just comes out of you. I ain't never seen an orange tree struggling to produce an orange. The orange ain't be like, oh, man, I'm just a kumquat. Ah, no. Oranges just happen to people that abide in the Father. I'm telling you, as followers of Jesus Christ, as we abide in Jesus, gentleness should just happen to us. Kindness should just happen to us. And when people engage us, they'll experience and engage that kindness, that peace, that joy, that long-suffering, that gentleness. And they'll taste it. And hopefully encounters with us would create thirst for God. They'd walk away from spending time with us and think, I want to spend more time with They'd walk away from from talking to us in a text message and engagement with us and say, I I, I, want to worship God more. I want to go to church where you go to church. I want to be more like God. He says, we are the salt of the earth. We should make things better. We should preserve value. We should create thirst. We should make impact. We should make impact. My mentor, Brian Loritz, who I heard preach this sermon years ago. He talked about living out in, on the East Coast in Philly um, and how they would use salt to uh, de-ice the roads. But inevitably, what they would have is, uh, after years of de-icing potholes, because the ice would impact the asphalt so much that it would create a hole there. Can I tell you, if we're going to be the salt of the earth, we should make impact in the earth. We should leave our mark in the earth. They should be able to see Christians have been here. 
They should be able to see our neighborhoods and say, Christians have been here. They, they should be able to see our communities and our family and our friends and say, Christians have been here. When we get out of the salt shaker, we should impact the world and they should see the holes, the spaces where we've just made kingdom impact. They should say, Christians have been here. Finally, he says, we are the light. We are the light. And you need to know light does a lot of things, but one of the biggest things that light does is light pushes back the darkness. Light offends dark. You wake up early in the morning and somebody come turn the light on. You'd be like, oh, why did you do that? Oh, I could just turn the light off. It's offensive to the eye. Light pushes back darkness. My brother, my sister, we live in a time where the darkness seems to be flooding our world. And we need Christians to get out of the salt shaker and go outside and turn the light on. Because darkness is showing up all over the place. We need to turn the light of hope on, turn the light of Jesus on. We need to turn the light on because we are the light of the world. Danielle Strickland, a great friend of mine, she tells the story. I've been telling this story all across the country. Uh, It's a story of her and um, she, she, she travels all across the world and goes to some of the roughest places in the world. And she does great, amazing kingdom work. She's in Vancouver in a desolated part of town. Families have moved out. Drug dealers, gangs. They've taken over a local park. This park is infested with drug paraphernalia. It's all over. So what does Danielle Strickland do? You know her. You know exactly what she does. She starts a Bible study. She starts a Bible study in this rough community with some friends, and they start, and this guy, Robert, comes off the streets and gives his life to Jesus Christ. Now, Robert, she would say this. She would say, you know, you know, you know that line between being spirit-filled and mental illness? You know that? That's a, that's a thin line between those two. She would say Robert lived on that line. <laughs> Robert lived on that line. Robert accepted Jesus, and he just took it all literally. Whenever he read it, he was so enthusiastic, so empowered. So he gets to this passage where we talk about Jesus being the light of the world. And they're at a Bible study. He jumps up and he reads that. And he says, we're the light of the world. We're we're the light of the world. And Robert runs out of the room, starts running down the street, street, screaming, we're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. They're all sitting there looking. Danielle says, uh... Who's going to go check on Robert? Danielle gets picked. She draws the straw, right? She goes and she runs after Robert. Robert, Robert, Robert is running. We're the light of the world. We're the light of the world. She gets to him. He's in that park, that drug infested park. He's in that park. (sighs) (sighs) Breathing. (sighs) She comes up. She's like, "Uh, Robert? Yes. What are you doing? He says, I'm being the light of the world. Then he says, can't you feel the darkness trembling? (laughs) My brother, my sister, Jesus calls you and I to be salt and light 
of the world. And I'm telling you, if we go out into these dark places, we go out into these devastated places, we go into places marked with despair, we go into places marked with defeat. Oh, my brother and sister, if we get out of the salt shaker and go into these places and turn the light on, ah, the darkness will tremble. The darkness will tremble. So may we leave the salt shaker. May we go out. May we make things better. May we preserve value. May we create thirst. May we make impact. May we turn the light on so that the darkness might tremble and be pushed back for his glory. Father, I thank you so much. Father, I pray that we be salt, that we be light, that we go into dark places of injustice and turn the light on. We go to places of racism. We turn the light on. We go to place, places of abuse and addiction and turn the light on. We go to places where people have been misused, lied on. They don't see any worth. When we turn the light on, we go to places where there's mental illness running rampant and we turn the light on. We go to the spirit of suicide and we turn the light on of hope and grace. We go to the place of shame and guilt and we'll turn the light on of deliverance and renewal and redemption. We Go to places of despair and turn the light on. Turn the light on for God's glory. So, Father, may we be salt. May we be light. Wherever we go, may we push back the darkness for your glory. Amen. God bless you.